Hello, everybody. Kyle here, host of the Chaos and Shadow podcast. With the help of my co-host, Pagan, we put together an episode on Vermont's lake monster, Champ. If you'd like to follow along or dive deeper into the research, check out our show notes in the description and listen to our hour-long episode on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Let's dive into it. Lake monsters are something most people take for granted. We see them on old maps, we hear about them in legends, and we see them in many, many films. But a lot of people don't know that the United States is home to its very own Loch Ness Monster named Champ. Our story takes place at Lake Champlain, a 125-mile-long body of fresh water shared by New York, Vermont, and Canada. Champ was first documented in 1609 when Samuel D. Champlain, a French explorer, was discovering the area. It was there that Champlain explored what would come to be known as Lake Champlain. Now, he himself had made between 21 and 29 trips across the Atlantic Ocean, eventually founding Quebec and New France. Before his arrival in the area, the indigenous people had long lived and hunted near the lake. The Abenaki and the Iroquois both had legends of large creatures inhabiting the waters. Some of those legends claim to have a horned serpent or giant snake, and the Abenaki termed this creature the Gittiskog. So what is Champ? Those that have witnessed him, and there have been many, claim him to be about 10 to 30 feet in length, and they say it has black or brown scaly skin or hide. Scott Martis, who's been investigating the lake and this monster for 26 years, hypothesized that Champ may actually be a plesiosaur that survived their extinction. Martis believes that a school or possibly a herd of these plesiosaurs, which lived about 203 million years ago, may have been trapped in the lake when it was actually a sea and had access to that open body of water. So could this theory be plausible? Well, plesiosaurs first appeared in the latest Triassic period, again, about 203 million years ago. They had a worldwide distribution and fed on quite a variety of fish. Some of those in the lake today would be able to support the creature. It should also be said that many of the fish that inhabit the lake still have a prehistoric vibe to them. Many of them have not evolved drastically from the time this creature was alive and therefore would provide a food source it's familiar with. With a depth of 427 feet, it provides ample hiding space. Not to mention, there are some caves from the glacial movement, as well as boggy marshland that would allow creatures to hide, much like the way alligators hide in the swamps of Florida. Also a fair comparison, and that the lake now has fresh water. Back in the day, this would have been salt water, but again, as glaciers moved down, as fresh water melted, it displaced it. To back up this theory that it was a saltwater sea, they've actually found fossils of a beluga whale. It turns out there's a famous fossil called the Charlotte whale, which was actually Vermont's state fossil until the 90s. So again, how was this all possible? Well, the Champlain Sea existed from about 11,000 years ago to 13,000 years ago. Specifically, scientists believe it only was around for that 2,000-year gap, meaning it was a very short time frame. This was long enough for creatures to come in through what at the time would have been a saltwater access to the sea, the Atlantic Ocean, 
one big wrinkle being that the plesiosaurs are said to have died out approximately 66 million years ago, meaning that the Champlain Sea wasn't viable then. It should be said that taken into account that there are many creatures that we do not know about living in our oceans, and that still remains one of the most unexplored areas. Had these plesiosaurs survived and had they gotten stuck in this lake, there would need to still be a sufficient amount of population for them to breed without the risk of interbreeding and dying off. So what puts Champ on the map? Well, going out of order, in 1977, Sandra Mancy took a photograph while on vacation with her family. It appears to show something sticking out of the lake. This was a compelling photo, but still does have flaws. For example, Mancy is said to have gotten rid of the negatives. Not a common practice back in the day, something you would think she would really want to hold on to, especially given the magnitude of the situation and the sighting. Another question being, where Mancy had taken the photo, the water was only about 14 feet deep, not really allowing for a creature of this size to be there without being beached. Unless that's something the creature likes to do. And that's what investigators have been wondering. Does the creature like to come to the surface to sunbathe, to dry out a bit, to warm up a bit? These are all theories that have been presented, and all of them are related to behaviors that whales and other sea creatures exhibit. Going backwards in time, a famous account occurred in the Plattsburgh Republican newspaper on Saturday, July 24th of 1819. Captain Crum was aboard a scow on the bay the previous Thursday morning when he reported a black monster about 187 feet long with a head resembling a seahorse. It reared up more than 15 feet out of the water and he claimed to have seen the creature's three teeth. The eyes had a color that was like a peeled onion, a white star on its forehead and a belt of red around its neck as you may have been able to pick up there. It's a remarkable level of detail for a guy to get when he was about 200 yards away from the object. Seems like there's some hmm, exaggeration at play. Then again, an 1873 chant makes more headlines. A New York Times story reported that a railroad crew had seen the head of an enormous serpent in the lake with bright silvery scales that glistened in the sun. It was July of that same year that a Clinton County sheriff named Nathan Mooney reported an enormous snake or water serpent that he thought to be about 25 to 35 feet long. Then in August, a steamboat encountered Champ by running into it. The ship nearly turned over, according to the tourists on board. And in my opinion, one of the worst headlines to come out of this was that P.T. Barnum offered a reward of $50,000 in 1873. Quote, for the hide of the great Champlain serpent to add to my mammoth's world fair show, end quote. Yeah, that one doesn't sit well with me as many times the cryptid stories come out, the first thing people want to do is shoot it, which brings a pretty clear answer to why people won't disclose the locations of ghosts, cryptids, or other things. Us as humans, we gotta get our murder spree in check before we can uh, go exploring and meeting new creatures, especially as rare as the potentiality of Champ. I'm clearly not the only one that has that in mind, because although people are skeptical of Champ sightings, there are laws to prevent the hunting of this creature. 
For example, in 1981, Port Henry, New York, declared their waters a safe haven for champ. The next year, the state of Vermont passed as a House resolution protecting champ. And a year after that, in 1983, New York, both the state assembly and the state senate, passed resolutions protecting the creature. Also according to LakeChamplainRegion.com, an amazing source for all this information, Champ is celebrated now as the Vermont baseball team for the area, the Lake Monsters, and Champ is the mascot. He also appears on merchandise, children's books, and a plethora of other things for local businesses to take advantage of and spread this lovely legend. I like it because it seems to be used to bring people together. It's used at a local aquatic museum to teach kids about the value of preserving our natural habitats. They're taught that if they want to protect sea creatures, if they want to have a chance to see champ, the waters need to be kept clean so that animals can continue to thrive. I'd like to thank you all for listening to this mini-sode on Champ, but I would encourage you to go over to the main podcast and dig into our hour-long episode. Pagan's done a fantastic job tidying up our show notes, as always. You can find a link to that in the description below. If you didn't know, these also air in audio format on our main podcast feed, so whatever way works best for you, we're giving you both the hour-long and the 10-minute-ish episode, if you're loving them. Go down below, give us a like, give us a subscribe, and smash that bell icon. Comments also mean the world to me. And in this one, I want to know, what do you think of the famous Mansi photo? Do you think it was a log? Do you think it's possible that a creature could be living in this lake? i got to say, ultimately, I really want to believe. Thank you for listening to the show. Go listen to the podcast feed. And finally, check out the Patreon if you would like to support this and all of our endeavors. We have so much content going on over there, and a good bit of it is free. So check it out. Give some love, and we appreciate you doing that. It is keeping us chasing these cryptids. See you all next week. Until then.